Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time hey everyone it's ted from consumer cellular the guy in the orange sweater and this is your wake-up call If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. 
If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Deadly giant Asian hornets that can kill with one sting are heading to the UK. Don't worry. I'm getting to your history story and happy Friday, everybody. I just saw this right as I was about to come on the air and I read down the article just a little bit and I thought, wow, how apropos. You see, the UK has an ecosystem. Like everyone has an ecosystem. Every place has an ecosystem. They have their animal hierarchy. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And it's set in place, right? This insect eats that insect. This bird eats that insect. This this animal eats that bird. Eats that snake. It's a, we, we know a circle of life stuff. Everybody's seen the Lion King here. And... The main concern about this deadly giant Asian hornet, which apparently is two inches long. Yeah, I know, Chris. I pooped my pants when I saw. Speaking of which, well, we'll talk about that in a second. The main concern is the thing, uh, it eats bees, and it's going to kill all the UK bees. Apparently, this is going to cost millions if not billions i don't understand these stupid english forms of money it's going to cost them a lot of money to combat these things and stop these hornets because they woke up one day and looked around and thought oh my gosh there's something else out there you see back in the year well we'll call it 1221 1222 1223 era We are in Russia. And in Russia, I mean, Russia wasn't necessarily unified. It was kind of unified. They all considered themselves to be Russians. But they were more of an individual state, like a city-state type thing. So they're kind of connected, kind of not. And part of the Russian landscape at this point in time was this group of horse archers, nomads called the Palofsi. And the Palofsi were like all the horse archers from the Asian steppe at the time, really, really, really tough. You couldn't contain them. You couldn't catch them. They did warfare different than everyone else. But by the grace of God, there weren't that many of them, and they were kind of disorganized. But nevertheless, as a Russian, you knew them, and you knew them to be frightening, and you dang sure didn't want to wake up one morning and look up from your little Russian abode and see a group of them standing on the ridgeline about ready to swoop down onto your village. That was not something you wanted to see. 
So when you're the Russians, and that's what you know about the Pelosi, and one day there's a knock at your door, you go, who, who is it? It's the Pelosi. Can we come in? It's the Pelosi. What? No, you can't come in. You're horrifying. Uh, you really need to let us in. All right. What? All right. All right. Come on in. What's uh, what's going on, scumbag? Please don't eat the sofa. And the Pelosi say, uh, we all we all have to get like a huge army together right now, or we're all gonna die. And now you're a little. Well, this is a little concerning. The, wait, what? What kind of creature scares the Pelosi? Uh, there's, there's a gigantic group of of Mongols. You would know them as Tartars coming, and we're all gonna die if we don't get the biggest army ever. And that's the situation the Russians found themselves in in 2023 um, or in 1223. Now imagine. This is the ancient world. This is not the era where you have every bit of information you could ever want on a five-inch phone that fits in your pocket. This is not the internet age. This is not email. This is not phone. This is not telegraph. This is not ham radio. This is barely mail. I mean, there's mail. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like you know it today. It's just so disorganized and spread out. And imagine you have this ecosystem that is your country as a people you know you have your knights here and you have your horsemen here and you know that this on this border we have these barbarians and you better be careful over there and you have to and imagine waking up one day and finding out uh there's a completely new species apparently on this earth and they're going to kill us all And that's where the Russians found themselves. You see, leading up to this, let me explain something. I eat up every single documentary or book I can possibly find on the people who come from the steppe of Asia. Think about drawing a big thing, a big line, a big wide line through the middle of, you know, Russia, obviously Mongolia, northern China, cold bitter, sparse grassland, some actual deserts in there too, some mountains. It's a very rough place to live. And there were all these various peoples from different ages that lived there. The Scythians were sweet. They were the ones who used to drink out of people's skulls. (laughs) Like they would just decorate the house with skulls. Oh, yeah, please, set up the fine china. The Huns, everybody knows Attila the Hun. The Huns who absolutely swooped in like tyrants and slapped around the Romans for a long time when the Romans were studs. Same people. Horseback, archers, studs. And the stud of studs, the one, well, who organized them all was Genghis Khan. Now let me explain something to you. Yes, they're all tough. Yes, they can all fight. But they were mostly always barbaric and disorganized. So I want you to imagine something. I want you to picture this here. I want you to picture there's a 
child, and the child is raised, you know, and the child is raised in a different way. But from the moment the child is able to move, the child is taught to punch really well and to dodge punches really well. It's just part of its upbringing from the, from the time it's three. Here's how you punch. Here's how you dodge punches. Here's how you punch. Here's how you dodge punches. You would eventually have a young adult that could punch, an adult that could punch and dodge really well, right? Now I want you to imagine that child at the age of 18, 19, walking into a boxing gym and saying, what's boxing? Can someone teach me how to box? Do you think somebody could turn that child into an amazing boxer? That's what you get when you have the Mongols. You see, they all could ride horses like nobody ever has in the history of mankind, except maybe the Comanches here in North America. They all could shoot bows in absurd ways. They say, I still don't know if I believe this, Chris, but they swear that they can shoot birds off of a horse. Like on a, when the horse is at a full gallop, they can shoot a bird out of the sky with a bow and arrow. That's so absurdly good that I just, I mean, there are some things you hear, you're like, no, that can't be true. Well, they could all do that, and along comes this man, Genghis Khan, who forms them into a big, disciplined army, and they start tearing through everybody. Now, I'm not going to tell the whole tale. We'll tell a million different Mongolian tales of the crazy things they did during his reign, after his reigns, they did some sweet stuff there. But, well, they just got done crushing the Georgians. And now the Russians just get word that Genghis Khan is coming. Genghis Khan's army is coming because Genghis wasn't even with them. And now they scramble an army. But they scramble 80,000. Genghis only has 20. Shouldn't be a problem, right? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Food for your brain. Brain not included. The Mongols had sent 20,000 men under the great General Subadai, one of the great generals of all time. They sent 20,000 men up into Georgia, Russia, and they were not there to conquer, unlike the rest of the Mongol army. They were just there to check things out and steal some stuff, kill a bunch of people, and take off back home. They weren't even there to conquer. And, of course, being there just to check things out for Mongols means sacking entire cities. And the best thing I can explain about them, the best way I can explain this is, there are several people throughout history, most of the armies and commanders and things throughout history, that if you were to magically teleport them today, and to the command center of a general. They would be so overwhelmed with the way warfare, the advanced way warfare is conducted today, 
they would probably the mind would melt. It would be too much for them. Just the technology, everything. Wait, there are ships, there are planes, just regular infantry. Wait, we have what? We have smoke rounds. We have it, it, there are flares. I don't understand. It would be too much. I had a buddy tell me one time he was a Mongol freak, and he said, "I'm telling you right now." You could take the great generals from the Mongols. You could teleport them into a United States military command center. And in very, very short order, they would understand what's going on and would actually be able to contribute. You remember that giant Asian hornet? These people were simply more advanced in warfare than the rest of the earth. They did things a different way. Remember I said they just got done beating the Georgians? Just a brief note on that. They faced down a huge army of Georgians and Cumans. Cumans are these steppe people. Instead of facing down the whole army, which would be the manly, honorable thing to do. Well, they didn't, they didn't obey rules like that. And we'll get to that in just a second. They just sent some buddies over to the Cumans and said, hey, man, we're all friends. Here's a bunch of loot and money we stole. Y'all just take off. And the Cumans were like, yeah, good call. We're out of here. Mongols wake up the next morning. Cumans took their loot and took off. And the enemy army was all of a sudden cut in half and the Mongols slaughtered them. Oh, and then when they got done slaughtering them, you remember when I told you they don't care about honor or things like that? They then chased down the Cumans they just paid off and killed them to the last man and took all their money back. A different people. And now they're coming towards the Russians. And the Russians send 80,000 people to the Mongols. Now, this is the part of the story, well, one of several parts, that fascinates me. You see, they specialized in the fake retreat in, quote, running away when they weren't really running away. They were huge believers in taking advantage of your overconfidence. They were huge believers in choosing their battlefield that they wanted, as any intelligent general would tell you to do. No, you don't want to fight them here. That would be good for them and bad for us. We need to find a way to get them here. Well, that's exactly what they did. You see, when you're 20,000 Mongols and you're facing an army of 80,000 knights and cavalry and everything else, you've got to figure out a way to, well, make things a little bit more advantageous to you. So what did they do? They left some men behind just to die. Now, it should be noted, as far as if you have to talk good about the Mongols, they were not big on that, on killing their own men. In fact, they were emphatic about it. When something was extremely dangerous, they would send slaves and people they captured to go do it. They'd force them to do it. Genghis Khan did not want his own men to die. They were emphatic about it. But this time, they pointed to their own men. The numbers vary. And they said, go fight to the last man. And because they were Mongols, no hesitation. They went and sent some tiny little force that would just slow the Russians down and fought to the last man. Now, remember when I told you they had a retreat, a fake retreat strategy? What I, I need to explain this. 
I don't mean that would ride up on a horse and just turn around and ride the other direction like you see in the movies. They had entire units that were trained basically like professional actors to act scared and run the other way. They took fake retreating very, very, very seriously. And what does a Russian, you know, European knight do at this time? Well, for God and country, for honor, let us pursue these these pesky barbarians from the steppe. And pursue they did. For nine days. Some people say 12 days. Now picture this. You're an army of 80,000 people in armor. People in spears. You have any idea how heavy that is? You have any idea how slow you're going compared with the entirely mounted army you're chasing? You have any idea how tired you'll be after two or three days of walking in that kind of gear? Do you have any idea how fresh they'll be? Because each Mongol had two, three, four, five horses. When one horse would get tired, they just switch them out. So the Mongols are not tired. They ride all day long. They, they teach them to ride horseback at the age of three in their culture. I'm not exaggerating. Three. Oh, on top of this, remember when I said the Mongols were professionals? They would take herds of sheep. You know, sheep are just slow and it's not, not going to move like a Mongol on horseback. And they would leave them behind for the Russian army to scoop up so they could pretend as if they're fleeing, extremely scared. Look how scared they are. They're leaving behind their own food. Slowing down the Russians even more. Putting more distance between the Mongolians and the Russians. Until at the end of that nine-day pursuit from the Mongolians who were retreating, but not really. The Russians come down into a valley by the Kalka River, and now they're in very serious trouble because this is exactly where the Mongols were leading them the entire time. Remember that Russian army of 80,000 and the Mongolian army of 20? Well, how do you adjust that to your advantage? You spread them out. You see that 80,000-man Russian army that had just marched for nine days, exhausted, was now 50 miles long. So you don't have 80,000 men at the battlefield. And you have a line of Mongolian horsemen waiting there. Oh, and did I mention they would understand modern-day tactics? They put pitch, which is that old flammable stuff they used to use, They put pitch in various places all over the valley and lit it all on fire when the Russians got there, filling the entire place with smoke so the Mongols knew where they were going and the Russians were now confused. And now it got ugly. The Mongols, unsurprisingly, smashed into the opening, into the beginning of a long column, They freaked out, the Russians did, turned around, and started running away. Well, that's when everybody gets slaughtered in ancient warfare, when you turn around and run the other direction, because then everyone turns around and starts running, and now you have 80,000 exhausted men in armor running the opposite direction, being run down by the greatest horsemen the world has ever seen. 
you have a pretty good idea how this day is going to go? Yeah, if you thought that ba- that was bad, it's actually about to get worse for some of them. Now you got 80,000 Russians turning around, running the other direction. The Mongols are doing what Mongols do and mopping them up like a wet cleanup on the floor. And a very brave dude, the prince, they call him the prince of Kiev. He has some longer name, but I can't say the word, so I'm not going to say it. He decides he's going to try to rally the troops and make some kind of a defense so they don't lose the entire army of Russia. So he circles the wagons, quite literally, and makes this, like, ad hoc fort. Gets all his knights in there. You know, you don't want to be attacking a fort with knights in it. But he makes a brave stand as all these other troops are fleeing all around him. Well, remember when I said the Mongols didn't don't care about European versions of honor and things like that. So they were just all, well, have fun in your fort. We're just going to ride around it. (laughs) <laughs> they just flat out were like, oh, whoa, that's a nice fort you have there. See ya. They just kept riding around it and killing everyone who wasn't in the fort. Then they came back and killed everyone in the fort too. Finally, the the big cheese, the king who had retreated clear back to his camp, the Mongols found where that was. They got there and killed all those people too. Except for the king, I should... Note the fact that it was part of Mongol culture, which is really weird, by the way. Part of Mongol culture was they did not shed the blood of royalty, which never really worked out that well for royalty because they just found other horrific ways to kill them that weren't bloody. One guy, he was actually a fellow Mongol. This is back when Genghis Khan was taking over everything and unifying everything. One guy, because he was royal blood and they couldn't couldn't just chop his head off, which is not that bad of a way to go, you know, especially if they get you in one swipe. Instead, they got a group of soldiers around him and broke his back. That's, can we go with the blood option? That doesn't sound very nice at all. So the the big cheese, he gets locked in a box and suffocated to death. The other Mongols, well, the the victorious Mongols, I should say, they took the other royalty, the other leaders of this army they had just slaughtered, and they tied them together on the ground, side by side. They then placed a gigantic platform on top of them, a big wooden platform, and set up a big banquet table on top of it, and they had their victory banquet where they all sat down for a lovely Mongolian meal, got good and drunk, and ate dinner while they slowly suffocated everybody tied together underneath the platform. Why did they do all this? Why did... 80,000 Russians have to die. Why did the Russian nobility have to be suffocated to death, tied underneath a wooden platform? Pride. 
You see, the one part of the story I left out was, you remember when those Palofsi back at the very beginning were telling the Russians the Mongols were coming? Did you know that the Mongols actually didn't even want to have this battle? They sent emissaries to the Russians. They were they were not all barbarians. Like I said, the Mongols were very smart. They sent emissaries to the Russians and they said, hey, uh, we actually have no quarrel with you at all. We're not even here to conquer you or anything like that. Now, we do have a big issue with the Palofsi guys. So just go ahead and kick them out and y'all do what you do. We're not here to fight you. And they took the Mongolian envoys, the emissaries, and they killed them. That is the biggest deal of big deals back in the ancient times. Envoys were special. They were sacred. It was the only way you could communicate between armies, so you never touched them. And any time you did, it was considered the greatest insult in the world. I could I could do an entire show on the horrible things that happened to people who touched the uh, the Mongol envoys. You just didn't do it. It would be it would be akin today to the United States of America taking a uh, taking a Delta Force group down to the Chinese ambassador's home this morning right after breakfast and firing a bullet into his head. What do you think China's response to that would be? Yeah, it, it, it would be that. It's that kind of a big deal. Pride gets you every single time. The truth of the matter is, and I'm not going to do... Yet another show on coronavirus. I am not. I just refuse to do it. It's Friday. You've been beaten to death with it for a month now. We got all week on this stuff. We got another week next week. We got this saga continues, you know. I'll talk about it some today, but not a bunch. What bothers me is pride. I'm as guilty of it as you are. It has... So many times in my life cost me in the same ways it's cost you. We had bad models. There's not another way to put that. We had bad models. And don't give me this revisionist history. We had bad models. Two to four million Americans are going to die unless we unless we unless we lock everything down right now, and then one or two hundred thousand Americans are going to die. Okay, we have new data. It's actually going to be 90,000. Whoa, we have new updated data. It's going to be 80,000. Hey, look at that. It's down to 70. Oh, did I say 70? It's actually down to 60. And down and down and down and down the model predictions go. I'm not going to sit here and beat up all the reasons why I don't need to. And you know what you don't need to do if you were one of those people out there? We have to shut down America, the models. Have you seen the models? Ah. We don't have to do this thing where I point out everything that was wrong with the models and you as a defender of the models sit and tell me, well, you have to understand that that's all we knew at the time. And All you have to do is say the three easiest words in the English language and then we can all move on. That's all the federal government has to do. It's all these governors have to do. It's all these idiot mayors have to do. It's all these panic-peddling political pundits. All you have to do right now, today, 
and we can get things turned around is stand up and say, I was wrong. You don't have to be full of pride. What we're seeing right now, I just saw another line at a food bank miles and miles long. It's happening across America. People are going without food because collectively we can't just stand up and say, I was wrong. You don't have to do this thing where my reputation is on the line and we can't admit fault. Dude, we can all see it. Anyone with eyes can see it. Yes, 15,000 people were dead. It's the worst freaking thing in the world. Say a prayer for every one of them. No, the devastation we're doing to our economy is not anywhere close to being worth 15,000 lives. It is not. That sounds harsh. It sounds awful. That's also how every nation in the history of mankind has conducted their business. You have to weigh cost-benefit. You do not contract the United States economy by 10, 15, 20% for anything but the Black Plague. And you know what? You don't even want to then. And this ain't that. And the only reason we're still continuing this insanity out there is nobody has the self-confidence to stand up and say, I was wrong. I was wrong. Time to start saying it, or we're going to find ourselves underneath a platform. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse.
Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 